Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I got to give you guys the inside scoop on the best electrician in town. That's right. It is Piper Electric. They've been around for over 35 years, and they're the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contracting companies in the Denver community. The best part is if you call 202-646-6765, Piper Electric will hook you up with the DNVR back-to-school special, and you will save 20% off your next service call. That's right, 20% off. No job is too big or too small, so don't forget to call Call our friends over at Piper Electric. Let's start the show. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dog two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Are you going to talk Nuggets for me and yes. Brendan's going to talk yes. all Broncos? Can you address one of those other ones answered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I have uh, some Sue Cravens takes, but that's uh, okay. still Broncos. Let's go. All right. Well, welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, the best beer in the world. I said in Colorado, but Ryan corrected me. In but the world. In the world. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to start off with... I have a joke. Oh, no okay. one asked, but sure. Ready Whatever. for this one? Yeah. Malik Beasley might have to sue a guy because he got beat up so bad. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. I might have to leave. We're five minutes in. Ryan's no, outdone himself like already. No, we're like a minute uh, we're in. A minute in. in. I'm out of here. Yeah, we're 45 seconds in. And we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm I think go that's the end. Oh, that's boy. the end of this podcast. Thanks we had a good run, guys. Yeah, guys. We appreciate Ryan ruined it. I'm going to give us who won the week as the outro at least. I'm giving us a bad iTunes rating for that. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Well, as you guys can hear, I've got Ryan Koningsberg, Brendan Vogt, Rudo, and AJ Hayfley with me at the table. Andre Simone is on the board, and Super Intern Kale is running the live stream. So let's get right into it. The Avs are very, very exciting team right now. Um, they are coming off a tough loss to the St. Louis Blues last night, 3-1. Guys, what did you think of that performance? I mean, they'd been playing five games in eight days. They look tired. I feel like it's expected to be tired. But, um, AJ, in your takeaways, you said that you would count fatigue as an issue, but not the entire issue. Yeah, I mean, fatigue matters. And I've talked to players about this, that uh, going west to east is a lot harder. Um, just it's harder on the body. It's, it's a longer travel. All of it is just more difficult. <clears throat> and that – 
you know, it definitely plays a role, right? But it's not, I mean, you're not going to sit there and be like, oh, well, they lost because they retired. Yeah. They lost because they got beat. You know, they got outskated. They got outworked. They got outchanced. Uh, they got outplayed in every facet of the game. And their only goal last night was, you know, some classic Nathan McKinnon brilliance on a five on three. Like, it's as free as free can get in the NHL. So it's, you know, last last night was just one of those nights. You have a few of them every year. If you're a bad team, you have a lot of those every year. <laughs> but the the abs look like they're pretty good this season. And I don't expect we'll see too many of those. Yeah. But, you know, fifth game on a, on a five-game road trip, it, it is what it is. You just kind of shrug that one off. So I feel like a lot of people were like, well, they're going to lose eventually. But the biggest news from last night was Miko Rantanen um, getting hurt with a lower body injury. What do you like? Can you speculate on what you think happened? Yeah, I talked to I talked to somebody in the organization last night about it. And all I got in response was a sad face. Oh, oh no. no! So Yikes. I think the original it's not a good sign. the the original fear is that it's serious, and then we'll see as they go through uh, the MRI process today. Uh, I don't think that uh, that that the building in St. Louis is old, and so I don't know that it has all that stuff in it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I like think MRI they'll, they'll machines and yeah, all and so I think they probably just waited until to they got back home. to Denver right. today to get into all of that, because um, that I mean that building's been there for a long time, so it's it's a little outdated in a lot of ways. Uh, <clears throat> so I think they probably just packed up and were like, we're, we're getting out of town, and you know, with no practice today, they can kind of hide behind the silence of the day and not have to release anything or talk about it until tomorrow, but. Um, you know, initial initial concerns. He didn't finish the game, and it looked bad. If it's if it's a month or longer, how how capable is this Avs team of staying above water? How, how much is longer? Because yeah, if it's right. a, if it's a, a month, month is fine. If if you could give me a month right now, I'd probably say that's fine. But much if, longer. Than if that. it's if it's four to six months, right? <laughs> that's real bad. If wow. this is if this is he's gonna come back in the last month of the regular season. And work his way, you know, and do the Peter Forsberg work here. Use the last four four weeks of the season to, to work get your ready way for the back playoffs, in, yeah. into shape. Uh, yeah, that's they're gonna have a really the the West is too talented, and their division is too talented. Despite the slow starts of some of those teams, they're gonna have a hard time uh, keeping pace. I think the, the the hot. I think the hot start will be way more important right because those are all banked points that they don't have to go out and yeah, get again right and uh, you know they've got big leads on some of those teams that that you know that the lead on dallas right now looks huge because you think of them as a, as a team that matters but i would be i would be worried about them making the postseason if he's out long term. i i don't think i'd be as worried as you are um it does take some things burakovsky can't disappear for 30 games if rantanen is out which is something they could afford a bit more if Rantanen was in there. Kind of the same story with Jost there. And obviously there would be big adjustments with someone having to fall into that top line and them sorting out their whole top six, really, to make things gel. No chance they compete for the division, but I would still say they have a solid chance of making the playoffs. You're just not having much aspirations once you get there without Amico. Yeah, having 15 points already is a right. really big step towards. I mean, 
making that happen because I mean they're already like six seven points ahead of yeah, the teams. Yeah, they have a them. cushion already. Were you able to get any clarity on whether it's a knee or an ankle no. or anything like that? Because I feel like the like the possible injuries here are something torn in the knee, which is going to effectively end a season or close to it. Yeah, uh, that's the four to six months that you're worried something about. Something sprained. In the knee, which is probably closer to the month to two months. Mm-hmm. High ankle sprain, I guess, is a possibility. Which that could be five days or it could be 50. Right, and I don't know how it works in hockey, but you know, you have a guy have a high ankle sprain in the NFL. He's not right until the next year. So, I think they would use, in, in the event of a high ankle sprain, they would use the regular season and they would just be like, we're not going to mess with this. So for the people who didn't watch, Rudo, can you kind of explain what happened? To the big moose uh, for other people who may not know who we're talking about. Yeah, it was a pretty inconspicuous play, really. He was just kind of coming up the far boards in his own zone. And, you know, I don't want to be too conspiracy theory-like, but a number of other players actually fell on the ice around the same spot. So might have been a little bit of bad ice there, but he just kind of catches his skate. Like uh, It was a little bit sloppy from Ranton, and his, his skate was not in a place that it was supposed to be. It catches into the ice and digs in a bit, and basically his ankle twists about 160 degrees backwards. Ugh. It looked bad. And the problem there is, like, if it's just the ankle, that's bad, but man, a bit more manageable, and like these two said, if – that also twisted the knee, which it probably did, and you tear, tear something there, you're looking at pretty much season over unless he got real lucky. So I, it's different in the NHL than other sports, the fact that um, they won't ever have to clarify like what yeah there's no official hurt. ruling you don't have to announce to your you opponents you can just say injury. he's you don't even have to say that if you don't want to well the abs have been under bednar they've done both mm-hmm. because i i remember being at practice the day that uh a couple years ago when uh eric johnson they came out and they were like oh he fractured his patella and he's gonna be out six to eight weeks and you're like wow that was, that was really specific and then he's like oh by the way varley has a knee injury of some kind and he'll be out for an undetermined period of time. And you're like, okay. So we're probably only going to know about this if it's season ending. Yeah. yeah, And that's yeah. why I said watch the AHL waiver wire today. Watch the transactions. If the Avs call somebody up, it's serious. Um, I, I don't think they'll do anything. I think the Avs will just roll with 22 guys. But if they do, if they are like, okay, this is over, they might just call somebody up and, and get on with it. I mean, just give McKinnon the mic and tell him Rantanen doesn't have a Charlie horse. Everything will be fine, right? <laughs> so we have some comments on the Periscope from our one and only Avs expert, Drew Creaseman. He said, I thought my Avs would never lose in regulation. So sad. Need Miko. Give me hope, guys. <laughs> and then um, D-Line Co. said, if an ankle twists in St. Louis, but no one is able to watch it legally, did it ever happen? Unfortunately, that's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think Drew knows something about blaming Blues for lost games being in the MLB. Hey. But <laughs> really quick, wow! Do they track like pass breakups <laughs> in the NHL? Um, there are no. some people that track some passing statistics. But it, you're getting into really deep, murky territory there. I feel like I've it's, never seen a game where there was more pass breakups than last night. Like, I just had a stick on everything. The, the Avs passing was just absolutely brutal in that game. To D-Line Co.'s point, 
you're burning that game tape anyway if you're the Avs. So maybe it was better that no one could watch it. <laughs> I, I was wondering, if you take out the Miko injury, which obviously you can't, um, is, does a coach like Bednar low-key relish that, right? Because you get off to this hot start, and coaches want to coach. Like, I, I can conceive of Malone, right, after that hot start. Your team finally doesn't play well against a good team, and now he goes into his bag, and all of those championship mentality quotes and all that stuff. Like, he likes, I think, sometimes to remind people of those lessons. Like, wh- how do you think Bednar, like, does he just burn that game tape, or is he? are people, like— is he forcing people to watch it? Oh, they're watching it today. Yeah. Uh, or tomorrow, whenever they have their video session. They'll watch it because they're masochists. <laughs> and that that coaching staff very rarely uh, does not take an opportunity to remind all of those players of what their jobs are. Right, right. And uh, the players more or less didn't do any of their jobs last <laughs> night. So uh, I think they'll probably go through that game tape and they'll – and especially against a division opponent. Like, this is something that they yeah, are. They see four more times. <clears throat> well, and not even just that, but if you're winning a Stanley Cup, you're probably going through the Central Division. You're going to have to, at some point, deal with the St. Louis Blues in the postseason. So, that's, I mean, this is a this is a learning opportunity. If this was, like, the 7-1 to loss against Tampa Bay last season, oh. you just burn that. Yeah. It's against a team you don't care about. You're not going to see them unless it's the Cup Finals. You just move on. This is a division opponent. This is something that you're going to have to go through if you're going to try and have a, a season a season to remember. Uh, you're going to go. You're going to comb through all of it. All right. Well, last night was a tough loss, but I don't want to harp on that too much because the Avs have started incredibly hot. They're seven they, one and one. Exactly. <laughs> like still good. Uh, I guess you would have taken that if they if, if offered before the season. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. And would you take it though if I told you that the, the Miko right, injury? No, was coming? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it depends on what the alternative yeah, would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, a five hundred start. What one you, one and uh, one seven and one. You mean what Dallas did? No, <laughs> hard pass. I'd take five hundred for a yeah. healthy Miko though. Same. I would have taken five hundred and healthy Miko, but not uh, that. That is that's going to take them three months to dig out of that hole. All right, everyone, just pray for Miko. Pray for. <laughs> Prayers up. Yep. I'm All a right. big God guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go back to what I was trying <laughs> to talk call. about. Um, the Avs uh, had – they were off to their best eight-game start in franchise history. They won, They got went 2-0 and in Florida. They won on a back-to-back 6-2. They, they were really killing it. I mean, I already got the amount of Avs fans that were in my DMs saying – or not my – in my mentions oh. – saying um my dms are close Uh, in my mentions saying the abs won the week the abs won the week i had at least 10 people at me saying the abs won the week already they they were incredible yeah i mean honestly that we haven't already renamed this segment to why the abs won this week (laughs) um i mean it's just i mean we're just pretending at this point but yeah, I mean this. This is the kind of hot start that they needed, and it's the one that matches with the the hype that they built over the summer. All the moves that they made to try and get deeper and better, basically every one of them has paid off to some extent. And even their Uber rookie hasn't even looked that good, and he's got eight points he, in yeah, nine he games. He doesn't have a goal yet. So, yeah. why did they take him the off way? the number one power play? I think I think it was just stress relief. The number one power play is bad and regardless so just try and switch Change things up. I, honestly yeah. McCarr is so similar to mckinnon that i think it was a way for them to get a zone entry on their second power play unit yeah. because the way that they carry the puck is almost identical and 
they're both such unique skaters when, in terms of their power and their acceleration uh, that, and their elusiveness and, and their hands are so similar that they're very quick and they're able to, to stick handle through traffic that I think it was just about trying to get a zone entry on PP2 and I think it was probably just to give the kid a break. He's, I, he's stressing himself out so much. I felt really? like um, Mac wasn't the biggest fan of the way he was running things from the point there. Uh, I mean, Mac's got to get over that because Tyson Berry's not coming back. Yeah, mm. and you know everybody has to adjust, and that in- that includes Nathan McKinnon. As great as he is, he's he's got to get over it. So I have kind of like an amateur question with the hockey thing, but it seems inexplicable to me that that team's power play is bad with all the firepower they have. You know, we say bad, and it's humming <laughs> along at twenty yeah. percent. Right, which, you, if it finished the season at twenty percent, would be in the top five. Okay. It. It does look bad, though. Yeah, and, and it's 15th right now, so right. you're like, mm, middle of the be, road. Right, right. We've talked about this a lot. We actually talked about this on the Avs cast the last show, and the underlying systems have been a concern for a long time. Yeah. They have enough talent to be middle of the road anyway, but you can see it especially when you get into their second power play unit that doesn't have McKinnon. It's just bad. It's right. not good. It's not designed to create opportunities, and it leaves a big hole in the Avs game when they need a power play goal. So is that is that a coaching thing? What, what is that? Yes. yes. Yeah. It's on the, the special teams coach, Ray Bennett, for the most part. They also struggle so much against teams that kill with pressure. Like yeah. I mean, they struggle against right pressure pretty much, period, yeah. even Every, at five on five. I mean, everybody does. Why doesn't everyone do it then? Why doesn't everyone pressure? You have to be fast. Well, you have to have the you have to have a, a team built in a certain way. Like Edmonton has been trying to build around McDavid for years, and you know he's elite speed. But they they went and they got big because they were worried about taking on the Ducks and the Kings during their heyday, and those were big and physical teams. And so they tried to build a big and physical team, and they derped it pretty hard. <laughs> And they're, I mean, they're going nowhere. Like, the, they've, they're off to an amazing start this year, but they're going to miss the playoffs again. And it's it's just you have to have – you have to build – there's only so many guys out there who can play that way and still provide offense. And a team like St. Louis has all has all of them. They've cornered the market on all those guys. Right. You know, they've, they got, they've got 14 and... of them in their forward core. And – that's just their style. That's their identity. It's been their identity for 20 years. It's just kind of who they are. It's what they want to do. It's it's their brand, if you will. I mean, they they very much are a team that kind of th- that thinks of themselves in the eyes of their city, right? So to put it in more in my terms, it's like not every team can just play press man and rush the passer. Like yeah, right. Like a- you like, and that's like that's what. Denver wants to do right, right. like that's well, their identity or at with least under Wade Phillips, r- right? Like, and with with Vaughn around, you're like, oh well, we've got the best pass rusher in the world. Let's just unleash him and let him go do his thing, right? And you kind of build around that. And the the Blues haven't had like all of their all of their truly like high level stars have almost all been defensemen in their in their like la- in the last like thirty years. They've only had a couple, like a small handful of like elite forwards. And so you build around that. I mean, you build around the personnel that you have. And if you have you have great defensemen, you play great defense. You try and win 2-1. If you have great forwards, you play crazy offense. You try and win 4-3. It's, it's also just not a sustainable way to play hockey. Take a look at the Avs. The Avs guys who play like that, Matt Calvert, 
has one full season in his entire career. Yeah. Those players just break down after a while, and unless you have significant depth that can fill in for that, you're gonna start to fall apart halfway through the it, season. Calvert Calvert's also, you know, fun sized. Like he that is dude, on the smaller <laughs> side, but he's 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 a I he's pocket size. I prefer that. Do you? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like that thing. That's a dude that you can tough. fit in your pocket, and he's going out there and fighting Victor Hedman. Right. I mean, like he's so awesome. He's I mean, right. Like he's lovable, Ooh. but he's a maniac. He's getting himself hurt. That was crazy. So yeah, I don't know why Victor Hedman's trying to fight Matt Calvert. Oh my <laughs> that, god! I understand why Calvert will do it because Calvert will step to anybody. That dude's not afraid of anything. But which is it's funny a short guy thing. He's well, he's like <laughs> he's such a dad. Yeah. Like like every time I talk to him, I'm always like, "Hey, how's life?" And he's always like, "I'm gonna spend ten minutes talking about my kids." And, and then like you see him on the ice just fighting people. Right. And then he goes out there and he's like and like they, you know, they they call him Uncle Calvi in the room and like Aww. like he's like that guy. He chose coming to Colorado because he wanted to be the dad of the room. He wanted to, to be around so Paul Millsap. Guys. Paul Millsap comp here. Yeah, yeah, right. And but then he goes out on the ice and he's like yeah, sure. I'll eat your heart. Like it's great. <laughs> Sell tickets to his PTA meetings. I'd watch that. <laughs> um, I wa- we've talked about it the last few weeks. Um, but I just can't get over the secondary shooting that the Avs are getting. I mean, Andre Burakovsky has been yeah. incredible. Kadri, Don Skoy, they've all made such a difference on the ice for this team. Especially when you can say Kale and McKinnon haven't pl- haven't been playing to their like standard their top standard those guys have really just been killing it real quick what was the quote last night it was one of my favorite Matt quotes ever it's it's in relation to what you just All said right. someone <laughs> said someone said something <laughs> along the lines like oh like nine game point streak to start the season like only like Gretzky oh. and Bobby Orr have ever done that and he's like yeah but I still have to be better like, oh, yeah that is awesome I mean McKinnon doesn't he he says look I belong I belong with the all-stars I belong with that but I'm I, I can't – he has repeatedly said, I can't put myself next to Sid. Sid. You know, Crosby has multiple cups. He's won every award there is to win. He's won gold medals. He's done everything there is to achieve in his career. McKinnon's done nothing, and he knows that. He is acutely aware of the fact that he has accomplished nothing with his talent. And that's what eats away at him every day. That's why he's throws sticks into the stands during practice because he's – frustrated when things don't go the way that he wants them to it's it's why he's as high strung as he is and it's and it's why i mean it's it's who he is he is the ultimate competitor where the abs the abs needed a killer and they finally got one in mckinnon where you know matt duchene ryan o'reilly those guys aren't that guy right like they're they're wired differently and nathan nathan mckinnon is just that guy who's like See ball, chase ball, get ball. And for him, ball is the Stanley Cup. So back to that secondary shooting. That was kind of a mic drop. That yeah. was pretty good. I, I want to acknowledge that Can for you. Can we just like yeah. copy paste that for who won the week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you guys the, have the secondary shooting time. it's it's been fun so far, but you're not gonna it's average down, yeah. you're not gonna average four goals a game. You're you know, Burakovsky's not gonna continue shooting what, twenty six percent, something crazy. I think Don like Squeeze at thirty still. Yeah. Pure yeah, Edward Belmar's at fifty, and you're not kidding, he might stay there all year. Yeah, I don't know that, that shoot again. I don't know that that guy will shoot again. Exactly. Just watching him, it's like man, he does not do much with the puck in, in front of that net. He's he just doesn't 
He doesn't want to shoot right, it. Yeah. He knows that's not his element for sure. What's Josty shooting? Uh, Better now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is his, his hat trick. His, his issue is that he's actually started to shoot. So he's generating more shots than he ever has. So his numbers are not going right. to be like Yeah, last crazy, night was his, the the one shot attempt that they had on goal in that second period was yeah. Josty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had four shots. The team had 18 shots on goal. So one guy is generating over 20 yeah. shot, 20% oh of the ab shots and it was Jost. So Yeah, it'll probably be their season low you until they play so. St. Louis again. But that's like why that's why they went on this hot streak, right? It's because those guys were all scoring. Then they're going to go away and then you're going to go yeah. cold and then they'll come back and Yeah. Well, yeah. happens with a long that's season. That's kind of what happened with Tam was they they got outshot almost two to one, well, but they still like there won were a that lot of score effects. To that yeah, as score well, effects played a major role in what happened in Tampa Bay because once you get down, um, right? I mean, it's you you just naturally it's it was like the same thing happened in Washington. They got up four nothing. They they cruise controlled through the rest of that game. Right. It. I think Kadri is really the unsung hero. Kadri. Kadri. Yeah, I'm never gonna Kadri? get it. Yeah, it's, it's Kadri. We've it's according to him, it's Kadri, and I just right, can't we'll get over it because it. I, I just it the sounds same as so Nicola, awkward. not Nicola. Yeah, that kinda. one's gonna be hard to get used. But yeah, that's, right. uh, that's the same no. thing. It's just saying it with an accent. Yeah, he's just Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> or the Joker. The good news is he does not care. <laughs> <laughs> what does he care about? All right, well, before we get <laughs> into <question>. that, <laughs> we gotta talk about Total Bev's incredible thirty percent off deal that they are giving specifically to the DNVR family. Thirty percent. See you, Ryan. I gotta open this. Yeah, Ryan just decided to leave. Um, 30% off your purchase of $25 or more using the promo code DNVR2019 online or on their Total Beverage app. They've got everything you're looking for, including CBD products. And if you get overwhelmed with the hundreds of options they have, don't worry. Their incredible staff members will help you find exactly what you're looking for. Don't forget to use the promo code DNVR2019 for that 30% off. So the reason I cut you out, are you enjoying the break? It feels so good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That we are so talking about the window. <laughs> um is because I want to talk about the Nuggets and the Broncos in this second segment. The Nuggets have their season opener Wednesday night against the Portland Trailblazers. Brendan, how excited are you for basketball to be back? I'm so excited. Sorry about the phone. I'm yeah. mostly excited because there's only so many storylines you can pull from preseason. Thank thank God there was Michael Porter Jr. because like, otherwise it's Jeremy Grant features every single game. So I'm ready to... Uh, I'm ready to experience real highs and real lows with the Nuggets fans. I've missed them all. I need at least a uh, seven and one start. I think that's super on the table. Until who 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 would be the Nuggets Miko comp? Is that Jamal? Don't even Jamal. don't even bring that into this yeah. room. I know. Right hey, now. the Nuggets. Remember last year, the Nuggets got off to that scorching hot start, and yep. uh, they dealt with some injuries. Will Barton was gone after game two, so. You know, right now, after that start, when you're, oh. what you, what was that? I said that's probably why they got off to that start. Wow, <laughs> AJ representing half of my mentions on the Denver <laughs> Sports <laughs> Podcast. He's just big Will Barton fan personally, but like bad year last year. But last year was awful. Last he year was, was awful. great in those two games though. So pre-injury, really good. That's I, to, honestly, I we don't have to go down a Will Barton tangent, but people are like, man, what happened to Will? He got hurt. He, yeah. He's never been hurt. He was really good. He got hurt, and then he wasn't good. But they're healthy right now. Malone was asked to give a general state update 
uh, of where they are heading into the season, and he just said healthy. And that hasn't been the case the last three years. Knock on all the wood. But, yeah, they should get off to another hot start. So Continuity. This team knows each other. The rest of the league has a lot to figure out right now. Uh, they're ready to hit the ground running. All right, with that, Ryan, let's see. So they have the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, can we just talk about that really quick? How many times they I played the Portland Trailblazers? Anyone else, and it doesn't. It's not even about this, like the preseason thing, because whatever. That's the preseason; doesn't even matter. But like, I I already had to watch them. Seven, the last seven games mm. I watched were with them. I don't want to watch the, the Trailblazers mm. play again. I want Portland in Portland. All right. Yeah, I mean that's that's that's, that's my like competitive drive. Like, I'm just you want you want game team. seven in 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 the way that they did, and you know on on your floor. I, I want to start that season off that way. That make, it makes sense. I also a think if, redemption tour type stuff. If I'm yeah. on that coaching staff, I'm probably stoked about it because the Nuggets have officially turned the corner. They're in this club of it's easy for them to be good. It's not easy for them to be great, right? That's the step. But they can win games by accident. So they have to be focused, and, and they have to start the season. Like every game, every day matters. When you come out and you play Portland day one, game one, your focus is there. They want that win more than and any fan does. So it's just, it's especially they beat Port- them twice in the preseason. Yeah, you think Portland is just so fresh. They make so many contested shots. It's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, it's, yeah. Shout out Rodney Hood. I was oh. gonna say I'm real excited for Rodney Hood to go back to being Rodney Hood <laughs> and not whatever the hell that was in the postseason. This is not a real matchup that would happen, but I just I can't wait. Just put Jeremy Grant on him. I don't know. <laughs> it's not really. It's a mismatch, but get him out there. Someone stop Rodney Hood from hitting just, shots. Jeremy Grant is. The, is the cure to all evils? He kind of is. I really think so. I, I, I mean, he's the he was a perfect fit for them when you know, they went and got him. It was it was ideal. In Nuggets land right now, the conversation is about if you're comparing last season to this season, last team to this team. All of a sudden, there's newfound length and lineup versatility in Denver. They can experiment with going small, right? You have guys like maybe not this year, but but next year with Jared Vanderbilt alongside Jeremy Grant, you can do some different things. So this was a team that was. In, in terms of size, kind of one-dimensional last year, Malone, it should be a neat wrinkle in his season, how he, how he experiments. Who do you think is going to start in that small forward position? It's going to be Will Barton. Uh, Monte Morris, I talked about this in a solo pod over the weekend. Uh, he low-key revealed the rotation at practice. Adam asked him about chemistry with the second unit, and he said, well, you know, it's just about fitting Jeremy in because he's new, but outside of that, I have chemistry um, you know, with Mason, Malik, and then he went on to say Tori and Mike. And that's Michael Porter Jr. So the implication there is those guys are second unit, then Will Barton's starting. But the thing to remember is whoever starts on Wednesday, they're not necessarily starting at the end of the season. Yeah. They might not even be starting a week later, but it will be Barton, I think. When do you think um, we'll have a chance to see Michael Porter Jr. on Man, Wednesday? I my read on, on just the way Malone dealt with him in the preseason and what we've learned about this rotation, I think you got to really be patient, Nuggets fans. I don't think Malone's going to run him out. Um, he may not play him much at all to start the season. It's going to be disappointing and frustrating. And I think we all know this kid is such a fast learner, such a natural talent. Once you get him out there, I think he'll get up to speed. But Malone's going to take his time with that. And, and and maybe that's for the best. You know, it's really easy as a fan or even a media member to get excited about MPJ's ceiling. He's never played 82 games. It's been so long since he was healthy. You can't just give him 15-minute-a-game responsibility out the gate. Remember when – George Carl just wouldn't play rookies. Like it took until halfway through the season before we even saw Kenneth Fareed. George Carl was a principled man. I don't yes. know what those principles <laughs> were, but there were a lot of them. Very true. I feel like we he no might rookies be on. love guys from North Carolina. He, yeah, I feel yeah. like he might be on that plan. Like we might, he might be on the shelf. Like just I, he could be on the shelf for now, but also he could be starting by the end of the year. Like at some point, 
You know, Malone is kind of stubborn, and he'll take his sweet time. He'll wait till he's forced to make a decision he's not comfortable to make. But I, I really am confident at this point, whenever he is forced, so to speak, to turn to Michael Porter Jr., I think that kid's going to deliver. I, I've just, like, I can't stay – I can't keep these expectations tempered. He's just the type of scorer that they don't have, and he's 6'10". So, like, whatever his deficiencies are in the defensive end – he mitigates that with just length, right? That's better than shoving Barton or Beasley out of position at three defensively. So and sky's I, the limit. And I think we truly only saw a preseason gear from him. In no the doubt. Preseason. Like, we haven't seen his his high gear yet. I, even from game one to game two, you saw, I, I think, a big leap in terms of comfortability. There's no – say whatever you want about Michael Porter Jr. He is a basketball player. He is at home on the court, and that stuff comes naturally to him. So, he, he yeah, I don't know – that's it's what's gonna be scary about him is that he just goes out there and casually goes six for seven, and you're like, meh. <laughs> yeah, and that's like you that's made it look so easy. Yeah. Where you're like, oh my god, well, like this is like they've had for years. They've had guys who have to work so <laughs> hard to get hoops. I mean, this is a guy where you're worried about teaching him fundamentals, right? Getting him up to NBA speed. You're not worried about anything. Like, you know what I mean? He's gonna go out and score, and he doesn't need anyone's help to do that. What's a good equivalent for um, people who don't follow the Nuggets for Michael Porter Jr. on the Avs and on the Broncos? That's a great question. I'm going to defer so hard to the people to Kale my left McCarr. and my right. Yeah. I, I was, I was asking Kale them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> Kale McCarr. The closest yeah. thing the Broncos have would be like Drew Locke. Just Drew Locke, right, yeah, baby. Packaged the, up yeah. talent that we haven't really, we don't really know what the ceiling is yet. Another thing. Another thing we have to talk about with Michael Porter Jr. Zion Williamson, obviously, unfortunately. Oh. Um, a torn meniscus. He had some surgery. That was a bummer. That's a huge yeah. bummer. That's crazy. It, it's not necessarily a bummer for those who have money on Michael Porter Jr. to win Rookie of the Year. <laughs> I don't know how much playing time he'll get out the gate, but that rookie class isn't super strong. And if Zion's going to miss a couple of months, um, Michael Porter Jr. has a real shot to take that award. What's Zion's injury history? Isn't that starting to pile up on him a little bit? It is, yeah. I mean, not like in terms of this significance, but I mean, we don't, you're a football guy. You understand, like, there's a limit to how much muscle you can have on your body. Like, your ligaments can only go under so much stress. Yeah. That's but, why LeBron is like a unicorn on top of already yeah, being a that, unicorn. That's his that's most crazy. impressive thing, right? And, and, you know, a lot of it, LeBron didn't lift weights growing up. He was strictly plyos, push ups, cardio. He didn't want to kind of bulk up and, and, and do this kind of damage, but. Think about how much stress Zion's ligaments are under just walking around. This guy is Paul Bunyan, right? He's the second heaviest dude in the league, and he leaps like the most athletic guy in the league. So mm -hmm. this is unfortunately the concern, and it's like something you can't ignore when talking Zion. This might just this might be part of his story. It sucks. It does. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr., however, looking fresh, looking good. <laughs> so I'm curious real quick about one thing with the Nuggets, the one area where – Maybe the optimism isn't there. Uh, no extensions for Beasley and yeah, Wancho. Yeah, so they're going to head into restricted free agency now. But that is worse than it has been in previous years. This is a really poor uh, UFA market, unrestricted. So those RFAs are going to get significant offers. Um, for those in, who, yeah, who don't understand at all, yeah. So if, if a player is a restricted free agent, the, the Nuggets would have the opportunity to match whatever offer sheet he agrees to. But in this case... Malik is going to get money that he deserves that the Nuggets would gladly pay him but can't afford to given his place on the depth chart. So if someone comes in with 460 or something, Denver's probably not going to match. So Malik is – this will be the last year in a Nuggets uniform almost definitely. Wancho, different story. They may – you don't want to overpay for a guy like this, but they may match certain offer sheets even if he's not in the rotation because they just love having him around. 
you need locker room guys. He's a Jokic guy. People love him. So Wancho will see, but Malik's gone. And and now unfortunately the conversation is is do you keep him this year because he's gonna help you win games and you have a shot at winning a title? Or do you flip a valuable asset that you've developed into something that can help your team down the line? So well, and that's that was my that was my follow up question is okay, so if, if Malik is gone do you make a strong push for a guy like Bradley Beal and have Malik be a, a big part of that package? Right. So obviously right now, through, so for this season, by the way, Bradley Beal's the name as like the big trade the Nuggets might yeah. make, the next superstar. He recently signed an extension with Washington, and through the details of that, he's no longer eligible to be traded this season. So that stuff's off the table. Really? Um, you know, Harrison says this, and I agree with him. This front office has showed us that if they believe that deal's out there, that big deal, they'll take it. They'll get aggressive at some point. They actually have tried to trade Gary Harris before. It's sort of the the ugly truth about the don't skip steps thing. Um, <laughs> but this could be the last year that the core's in place, depending on how you view the core. It's it's bigger than just the big three, right? If you put guys like Monte, Malik, Wancho, the homegrown fun nuggets in there, this is the part now where tough decisions have to be made. And it gets last year was the sweet spot of fandom, and and this year it's a little bit more like. You know, it's going to be tense. It's going to be stressful. Well, this is going to put the pressure on them to repeat the the right. draft and development of guys like Harris and, yep. and Malik and Wancho. And, yep. you know, they've been great at it, but they've also been trading all their firsts away. So they're not at all equipped to and handle he, just, oh, he's just gone He's now. just gone. And he can't sign all those guys. And so you do – I mean, that like, you can't just hoard assets, right? Ask Boston. Eventually you have to convert them yeah. into something. Denver hasn't needed to yet, but we may be kind of reaching that that stage. That's what it takes to win championships, 100%, right? You can't yeah. just build it all internally. You don't skip steps, but eventually that is the step, right? Yeah. Is making yeah. a really hard decision to make your team better. You can't turn that corner, you know, just by like crossing your fingers and hoping. Please, please don't trade for Kevin Love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that ship has sailed, I think. But who are you most excited to see tomorrow? Jeremy Graham, Michael Porter Jr. That's one, two, three, and four. I mean, those. I don't know how much we'll see of MPJ, so I'll probably go with Grant. You know, the Nuggets media has made it very clear how they feel. We're all in, and I'm really excited to see. Like, it's all the things we said before. Just a new dimension to this team. I think their defensive ceiling should be higher too. So, Grant, Grant's going to become one of. If you're a Nuggets fan, he's going to become one of your favorite role players in sports within a month. Well, the Nuggets are a legit title contender. Legitimate. Yep. I mean, legit. the guys on ESPN might laugh when somebody says that, oh. but real people that that know what's up. Even they know, right? They won't give it much time on their pods or their shows, but yeah. they have to it's at least. It's not sexy. It's not sexy, but but they'll, but you'll notice. No, literally, Nuggets, Jokic isn't sexy. But they'll like, drop in like, yeah, uh, Nuggets will probably win the West, but then Denver, they don't, and that's uh, the end of the conversation. But because they're like, oh, right. L.A. and L.A. and then you know Dude, what's no going to happen with Golden State, and yeah. it's like, Ugh. no one cares. I grew up in Jersey. I lived in L.A. No one cares. They should. But yeah, I, th this week was my first time like, kind of experiencing that living here and of watching this Nuggets team and hearing on the radio um, someone say like, oh, this is embarrassing. I don't know who Malone is or like who he coaches and then saying, oh, psh, the Nuggets I, in our Slack group. I was like, what? How can you? I was I was just upset. I just don't understand how you can't know um, a coach who coached one of the best teams in the West last year and who did so much. It's just, how can you be talking about we, it? And, and everyone was like, well, that's just the norm. You're, we're, you guys are all used to it in Denver and not mm -hmm. being, not being a part of this. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> no. I, I don't – there are times where I don't necessarily envy the national guy yeah. because yeah. you have to know a lot to yeah. be able yeah. to effectively discuss the entire league all at once. 
but you should definitely know who the coach right the like, favorite to win like, or one of the top two or three favorites to win the West. Yeah, yeah I mean, they you need to know the, the name of the coach. The Who's been around for? He's year. been the coach for what now? Five years. Yeah. But this yeah. is Four why years? I value. So we talked on the DNBA show, which is up now on YouTube, the only Denver Nuggets talk show on the internet. Check it we, out. We we talked about just that, and we talked about like. Nah, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna skip this point. It's eluded me. I'm okay. Off. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, you, you, they should like. If you are going to discuss the NBA from yeah. a Nationals perspective uh, as an, a quote-unquote expert, you need to know who Michael Malone Wait, is. Wait, yeah. was that national or local, though? It was they national. Didn't. Okay. And the thing is, they were in the playoffs last And I saw people being like, oh, the national media, like, it'll come. Like, they were in the playoffs last year. They were a two-seed. They, they were the two-seed. They were back, like, all, like, going back and forth with Golden State during the regular season. And I know the regular season doesn't matter. But they were for that number one spot in the West. I just don't – it doesn't make sense to me how you wouldn't know who Michael well, this is so. This is what I was gonna say. I figured out how I want to articulate it. I mean, this is why you need to to build on last season. You can't like we can sit here and say if they lose to the Clippers in seven games in the second round, is that disastrous? No, but people are looking for reasons to doubt Denver, to yeah. ignore Denver, and that's not just fans. That's media. That's players in the free agency market. But if they come back and build on that, if they show up in the conference finals, if they win the conference finals. Doesn't matter who you are, where your radio show is, who you pay attention to, you will have to know the names of these players and this coach. So this year is important in that way. And and I think there's more pressure in Denver than it seems for a team that that has a lot of youth and has a longer window than than it seems like we're talking about right now. I'm most excited to watch Jamal Murray. I, I you know, there was nothing in the preseason necessarily that suggested, oh, Jamal is taking this big leap this year. Um and the Nuggets are betting on that. They they made a significant. In my opinion, they made a bet on on him becoming superstar. I want to see him. He doesn't have to do it tomorrow night. Yeah. But I want to. That's what I'm. That's the mo- yeah, most. Yeah, but you know what? Part of this season. I kind of do want to see it tomorrow night. So that's you know, Jamal has notoriously started seasons slow, and I think he can be a little inconsistent. I believe that Jamal's ceiling is worthy of this contract. Is worthy of the bet the Nuggets made. So show us. Don't wait. Show us tomorrow. You know, especially th- in that matchup. Yeah, I'll play. Yeah. I'll play Dame again because yeah. at times in that that series he did. So yeah, so was, sh- I mean it was McCollum that saved them. Right, it was, it was not Damian Lillard. Right, so so go show us that um, because Murray, you know it's it's a bet, but they had to right. If you're Denver, when are you gonna to your point? When are you gonna draft another player that's as good as Jamal? You can't just mm-hmm. like hope that that happens, and you're never gonna sign one. So it is an overpay maybe, but you have to overpay guys in this league. And, and now you just bet that he can raise that baseline because the ceiling's high enough. So I want to see it early and often. I'm with you. All right. Well, we will be uh, games at 8 p.m. tomorrow, and we'll be doing a live stream show with all of our Nuggets guys after. So be sure to stay tuned to that. Now, I know it's not the, that sexy topic that we were talking about earlier, but we do have to talk about the Broncos and the yes. Chiefs. Yes. Uh, that was a rough Thursday night football game for the Broncos losing to the Chiefs even after the Chiefs lost Patrick Mahomes. Ryan, what what went wrong? <laughs> what didn't go wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's a better um, question. Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, they I don't know, they were they just weren't ready for that you know they got ahead of themselves Shelby how Harris, were they not ready for it though the whole week they acted like they were riding to an and not mentally they weren't ready as a team they aren't ready to compete with the chiefs and as you saw it's not even really close they didn't even need patrick mahomes their system is so good 
Uh, Andy Reid's offense is so good. They're the the Broncos' defense. You know, they had um, Purcell and, and AJ Johnson, and that was a great story. And then you go up against an, you know an offensive mastermind. And he's able to expose the weaknesses that you have because of those guys. So um, they were just. I mean, they laid an egg for sure, um, which is kind of crazy because they had such an opportunity in front of them. And it's, and it's a seven-point game when Mahomes goes out. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, holy cow, they could win this game. What was it? it was, I think it was 13-6 to six at that point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm thinking, wow, they could maybe win this game, you know, uh, 16-13 or something along those lines, you know. And it was they get the strip sack. They go. They they make it twenty to six, and at that point, it's like uh, I don't know if they're gonna have a chance to score twenty points in this game. And and that's the problem is this offense is anemic. Joe Flacco is not the guy. Uh, they, you know they need to get Drew Locke in there as fast as they possibly can because there's no future with 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 Joe Flacco here. The offensive line, all of those problems came up, and they just completely they got they played bad and they got out coached and and they're not as good talent wise so that turns into a blowout yes come well, to the dark side <laughs> <laughs> embrace the tank well with that now we're seeing rumors of Emmanuel Sanders being traded before the trade deadline oh, uh, Chris Harris Jr possibly just trading those veteran assets what do you think the Broncos are going to do Emmanuel will most likely be gone um to put this uh, lightly, I guess he's pushing, you know, his people he are pushing for it a little bit harder than anyone else. Um, not to mention that there's a pretty big market out there for him. I know that you saw the, the Pats give up a second this morning for Mohamed Sanu. That was a lot, no? That no, is a lot, a lot. But it's not a one-for-one one type of comparison where you say, oh, well, if the, pa- if the Falcons can get a second for Mohamed Sanu, then the Broncos should get a second for Emmanuel Sanders. Just because, one, Sanu has more years on his contract. He's younger. Mm-hmm. He's not coming off a torn Achilles this, this last season. So there's, you know, factors. Emmanuel Sanders, one-for-one, one, head-to-head, probably the better player. As a trade asset, not as good. So if the Broncos can get a third, I'm, st- I'm going to stay there. If they, can, if they can get a third, that's a win. They should do it. Um, it. Maybe it ends up being a fourth. But no matter what, it's all better than nothing. And so you got to take what you can get. And luckily, you have a market where they're bidding against each other, and you can probably end up getting a third. The beauty is they'd get a compensatory pick when he signs. So regardless, you're not getting nothing. True. But that's a whole – you know, that's two years from Right, now. right, right. That's really why you want to get the third. Yeah. Right. right. I'd settle even for a fourth. It's the Demarius Thomas fifth that I'd, I'd – Right. I mean, at this point, Sanders is not – like a plus asset, right, to you and your window and what you're trying to get done and what you can conceivably get done. Especially so. when you have court. I mean, obviously, Cortland Sun can't compare to Emmanuel Sanders, but well, when you know that that's the future. Playing better than him this year. Right. By a, a long shot. Um, the problem is he's not – Emmanuel is allowing him to face second corners right now, which is making his life a bit easier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the lifeboat on our podcast. The lifeboat is just who are you saving? Who, who needs to survive as this ship – sinks down um and when you're evaluating who goes on the lifeboat say who's going to be a part of this team in three years which you know if they do embrace rebuilding which they probably need to do uh it's going to be three years before you're back at the earliest you know competing for super bowls so you so the lifeboat is all about who's going to be who's going to help this team win in three years 
Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders is not on that lifeboat. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., while he probably could, he's you know it seems pretty clear that he's not going to be here next year. He's someone you have to consider. And then you just go on down the line. And we talked about it yesterday. Maybe when they do trade Sanders, the league takes notice and says, oh, the Broncos' assets are for sale. Okay, well, let's go make offers. And you might end up having to, to you know ship out quite a few guys, but Sanders and Harris are the ones you're going to get the most value for. Sanders seems like a foregone conclusion. And the best thing for the Broncos would be to do it with Harris as well. I've seen a few people talk about Vaughn. There's a lot at play there. Um, and to put it simply, it's just a very, it would be a very difficult trade to execute. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of different things going against it. One, dead money. Two, his contract is re- very, very high. You have to find right. teams that can take on that contract. And three, and, and probably the saddest part of it all, is Vaughn is not playing good football at all right now. And so that's the hardest thing is it's, it's not as if Vaughn has, you know, seven sacks right now. And you can say, hey, this guy's still playing great. Yes, he is expensive. But, you know, give us a couple first round picks or a first and a second for him. You're saying like your best sales pitch would be like, well, he needs a cha- change of scenery to get back to what he once was. And you're not going to trade Von Miller for, you know, a second round pick. How concerned are you that this is kind of like a lasting, like a new reality with Vaughn, that this is like maybe over a hill of some sort? I don't know. For me, there's um, a spark that's missing for him right now, and that's it's been hard to watch, and I think losing can be um, a, a, a disease. Right. And it puts that light out. why I talk about yeah. that so much, that, you know, eventually this team is going to have to – start winning football games because losing takes it out of you. Derek Wolf talks about this a lot. And it's, it's one of the reasons I've uh, been able to understand like the disease of losing. He says, when you put, when you put as much as we put into the game, and he said this just yesterday, talking about the chiefs game, when we, when we put in as much as we put in during a week and then go get beat like that, he, and I quote, it breaks your heart. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And how many times can you get heartbroken? Yeah. You know, you know, week in, week out, double digit times over the last two seasons eventually you don't it doesn't have to be on purpose but you start caring a little bit less so you don't feel that way after the team loses you become and it, numb exactly and i think that's a, a bit of what's happened to vaughn i think there's a flame that's not burning inside of him right now so part of me does believe oh if he went to a contender it would come back yeah. at what point is it better for both sides to just move mm. on yeah. but that? again it's it's the hurdles of the trade that right. are going to make I, of it course. very unlikely for the broncos to trade is this Miller. is this like his equivalent of the end of where's time in dallas that was a lot injury related though that was but the bigger issue like similar sure a, a franchise that's not getting it done and you know you can't continue to pour money into an aging pass rusher who's not producing and if i mean if you're not on the field you know availability is a skill yeah what's crazy is the broncos have an opt-out after this year wow again it's it's hard to say what, what's actually going to happen there um but that like you said it's a lot of money and um vic fangio isn't even putting him in the star of the star role of the defense you know when bradley chubb is out there his position is designed to be the star of that defense. Watching Vaughn drop into coverage. Yeah, and I and I told people that you know we told people people that was going to happen as soon as they hired Vic Fangio because everyone's like, oh, Joe Woods, he's putting Vaughn and Chubb in coverage too much. And Andre, of course, does a deep dive on the film of Vic Fangio's defense. He's like, well, get used to it. It's part of the you know it's part of the thing there. But 
So, that, you know, there's a lot at play there. Again, the tra a trade of Vaughn is pretty unlikely, but it is kind of sad to see because it, it does feel like he's, he's not uh, the whole Vaughn that we, you know, that this city fell in love with. Do you think that Drew Locke is going to be called up from the IR? Yes. Um, I mean, for my sanity, I, I seriously hope so. Hope so. Yeah. Because if not, I don't know what they're thinking. I know they wanted to be very protective of him. Yeah. And Rich Gangarello said it just a few weeks ago, like the best ability for a young quarterback is to not play. And when you hear that, it, it just makes me cringe um, because I understand the thought there. You want to put a guy out there when he is in the best position to succeed and, and they want him to fully be 100% ready. But times have changed and the season is lost. Um, so one thing you can learn is, what is what are we working with here? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when we say you need to see what you have in Drew Locke, it doesn't mean that he has to go out there and be a franchise quarterback when he sets foot on the field and look incredible. You just want to see the signs. Yeah. You know, even Daniel Jones in New York, while he has seven turnovers over the last three weeks, I think he leads the league in turnovers since he came out there. You've still seen the signs of a guy who can't, you know, they're feeling good. They're feeling better than a lot of people felt when they drafted Daniel Jones, um, but you just need to see flashes. You know, all these young guys who are out there playing, Kyler Murray, you like we've seen it. You know, he's got it. Um, who else are, are the rookie quarterbacks playing this year? The point is, he doesn't have to go un yeah, he doesn't have to go undefeated. But he just he has to go out and make some throws and lead this team and bring some fire to the field and make you say, We want to go into next year with that guy. Let's start building around him. Or, oh God, not it. Good thing we have a top 10 pick and a bunch of assets. Maybe we can trade up and get, you know, one of these guys. That's but do you the want thing with the deadline, right? What? Is that you have to start, whether or not you're committed to rebuilding, you have to put yourself in a position to be aggressive on draft day if you need to be. Yeah, they already have, as it stands right now, they have four picks in the top 75. You know, if you can add to that, That's good. you can really start to make moves and, and control maybe not the first round of the draft in the way that, like, the Raiders did last year with thir three first-round picks, and they didn't even end up doing anything, right? They just stayed, nope. stayed put. But you, reached on Cleveland Farrell. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, but, like, you know, going into that draft, we were saying, oh, wow, well, the, if they want to, the Raiders can control the first round because they have all these assets. Maybe for the second and third rounds, if you have all those assets, you can start saying, okay – well, we need offensive line help, so let's go get an offensive lineman early in the second round. We also need wide receiver help because we lost Emmanuel. Okay, well, let's package a couple of these thirds, get back into the second, and get one of these great wide receivers who fell. But yeah, do you? They have a top ten pick, and they don't take a tackle. Yeah. Well, but the, with that, do you really want to put <laughs> Drew Locke out there with this offensive line? Like, Joe Flacco's getting killed. Do he you has really want to put Drew Locke out there? He has a better chance of surviving because he can move. Yeah. Some of it's on Flacco, too, was, right? The exactly. Slow like, the, the strip sack touchdown that effectively took them out of that game, that's on Flacco. 100%. Double A gap pressure. Yeah. Right in his face. It's, it's right there in his face. And then he sees, okay, Phil does his job. He picks up one of the guys. Joe Flacco has to know that he can't run away from that second guy. And even if he's going to try, he needs to secure the ball. So um, it was weird because in the first two weeks of the season, his actually three, his awareness actually looked mm -hmm. pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, talk about Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. I don't know if, if he's, you know, kind of been rattled to the point where his awareness has gone out the window a little bit. But he is not – he does not look comfortable back there. He's not being smart back there. He's holding on to the ball too long. He's – 
you know, trying to get out of the pocket when he doesn't have the ability to do that. And so, you know, there's a lot of problems right now. But at least, you know, with Drew Locke, well, he has a little bit of escapability to him and, and he can move around a little bit. All right. Well, before we're going to wrap this up and go into who won the week. But before we do that, I got to tell you about Green Mountain Dental Group. Our friends over there are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. It's seriously that easy to take care of your teeth. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment. And by the end of it, you could get a free Sonicare toothbrush. All right. Who won the week? Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Who won the week? I love that song. Um, So someone actually sent me um, a version of the song, like written out in tweet form with abs and all of the positive categories and Broncos and all of the negative categories Fair. um <laughs> it was pretty funny Fair. uh all right last week to no surprise kale mccarr for his historic point streak won by 41 percent to uh, by 41 percent with okay. with 41 percent yeah that is noteworthy Jeez. that would be a lance uh, um two thousand votes and then Poor old Drew Creaseman discovering his new love for the avalanche got 13 percent but there's 17 replies, and almost all of them are people asking if their vote could be Havsies with Drew and the Avs. <laughs> um, so Havsies. Yes. <laughs> hey, nice. Um, then Nuggets finding their small forward, small and power forwards of the future got 18%, and Broncos winning two in a row and getting back into the conversation. Oh, how have time. They were <laughs> in the conversation. Luckily, we finally, we're finally doing a pot on the week where the Nuggets are doing something, only it's the day before. <laughs> so yeah. we're losing again. This is. Um, and also after the Avs' hot start. Hot start but, um, Maybe if uh, Michael Porter Jr. scores a point in the first six games, you can talk about his point streak. I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, streak. Ryan, do you have anything for the Broncos? Or wow. do you want to choose? That's where yeah. we're at. I mean, I can't, it's not like I can pick the buffs. So oh, yeah. Um, my yeah, hands are tied here. Mel Tucker hyping up the crowd doesn't win the week for you. What did he do now? I forget. At the Broncos. Good game. stuff, Andre. Oh, oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, that was about. The, that was super about memorable. Yeah. That was the peak for the Buffs. Peak football. Yo, John Elway won the week. Why is Whoa. that? Because this oh. is the this is the reality check that he needed. Uh, we already did that one. <laughs> did we really? Yeah, we did that when they were well, whatever it was, zero and four. Oof. Um, but I, I was well. gonna. I, that, that was my first thought. I was, I was like, okay, yeah, they realized it, but we oh, tried do you that. know what you? I have. I do have. Oh, one. you do have. All right. But I want to hear what your suggestion. I was gonna say. So I'm having the Avs guys since there's two of them today. Each of them have to agree with the or no. Each of them have 15 seconds to describe why they think different reasons the Avs won the week. I was gonna say you guys so could we're trying do to that cannibalize for your the Avs. Yeah. Vote. So you're trying. You guys could do that with the Nuggets. Clever. Do you want my help? Sure, Ryan. All right, you just start, and I'll I'll follow you up. You got it. So I'll give you 15 seconds, and you 15 seconds. Okay. All right, I don't we're even going. know what it is, and I'll still be able to Are argue Are we going it. right now? All right, ready, go. The Nuggets won the week because they're about to start this season, the most anticipated season maybe in Nuggets history. They have a legitimate shot at the title, top 10 player, and a potential rookie of the year. They've got Nikola Jokic, and that's all they need, and he is going to win MVP, 
and the Nuggets are going to get off to a hotter start than the Avalanche. The Nuggets are going to win 60 games. I don't know if that's true, but I'm saying it. Without losing. <laughs> Without, yeah. They're going to win 60, 60 consecutive games. 70. Please vote for us. and 8. 74 and 8. That's why the Nuggets won the week. Because right. we feel good about that prediction. <laughs> Two seconds. Do you think I helped there. Brendan's cause? I don't know. You started out well. He yeah. used he used all of the points like really <laughs> really fast. fast. Yeah. Oh, like he was done in I was eight like, oh, seconds. he hasn't talked about Jokic. Yet. He hasn't talked about Jokic. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, he just said top ten player. I feel like it was very unfocused. It's just like what the you Nuggets just listed a bunch of stuff. Yeah, thanks, Andre. What do you want me to say? They had practice on Monday. It was the it went well. Win the week, by the way, because the Broncos stink. The Rockies aren't playing. The college teams are terrible. And the Avs just lost the game hasn't happened, Andre. <laughs> I can't even say they won the what game. Would, what they would your case have been? What did the Nuggets do this exact Thank you. week? You know, that's not my job. My uh, job is uh, he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> you had me up until you said consecutive. I was just the hype man. Like everything he said, I just doubled yeah, down. Right. He just kept. I was like, yeah, and that. And, well, <laughs> yeah. 74 and 8, mark it down. Two titles in one year. Oh, Ryan, your bold predictions have really taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> You're just off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan was on fire, and then he lost that one, and now he's just, <laughs> just a little scary. Okay. All right. Make the 74 and 8. Are we going to the, the abs? Do you want to give a Broncos one, or are you good the with The Broncos that? one I was going to give was just Justin Simmons because he was legitimately maybe the only player that had a good game on Thursday. Uh, and because of that, he's probably going to he, – he's earned a spot on the lifeboat, per se. Um, he's probably going to be, at, you know, the one guy of maybe a couple that uh, that are going to end up getting paid from from these free agents. You don't, you're not a Justin Simmons guy? They might have the best safety duo in football. Ooh. No one's talking about it. Name one guy. Ooh. Can, we can go after who won the week. You can tell Boy, me I don't know. Yeah, All right. Justin Simmons is in the lifeboat. Abs, guys. Can DU win the week? If you want to do one abs, one DU, you can. I mean, they had a good weekend. They're one in the. They rank number one. They're undefeated. Do you want to say DU? All right, I'm gonna give you. No, not not really. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds for DU. No, I'm good. I just, I was just curious. Okay. Well, we'll add honorable mention. They beat two abs prospects, so I don't really want them. I like, I don't want them to to get that love. Okay. Oh well. Both the ads prospects scored. It's fine. Yeah, I mean Hellison's was. Yeah, that was the worst <laughs> floater in the history of hockey. Okay. Please, so more college hockey talk. <laughs> it was so Rudo, cheap. You know what? I had to listen to Mel Tucker's shorts and his shoes and <laughs> all that bullshit for weeks. So I thought that was great. Yeah, was good I, content. Yeah, and now and now we're all back on earth where we all realize Buffs football is terrible and irrelevant. So well, that's that's that's, a, that's yeah. D, D, D U D U is ranked number one in the country. So if I want to talk about college yeah, hockey. And, and Sampo Ranta, then I'll you get, can talk about I'll get hype. The best players don't even play college hockey. Um, mm, not <laughs> they're pretty quiet over <laughs> yeah, there. Not, I mean, that's not that's not entirely true, but it's not, okay, it's not entirely All untrue. Right, let's get back <laughs> no, on I mean, topic. Like. <laughs> The Who best, the won best the like, week? amateur players are all over the world. We're starting, we're starting your timer. Yep. Go. Uh, Avalanche goaltending, honestly. Avs, Avs goalies are elite, and they're going to be the biggest reason why they won't miss Miko at all, and they're going to still be in the playoffs easily. That's it? Okay, go, Rudo. <laughs> Easy. Uh, Jared Bednar won the week, obviously getting the Avs off. I thought to they the, were supposed to come to an agreement. The f- 
I thought we were doing two. Yeah, we each had 15 seconds. Yeah. Okay, all right, sorry. You can start over. Jared Bednar won the week, getting the Avs off to their best start in franchise history, or at least in Avs history. He has put everything to bed. The next time someone slides into my DMs with Patrick Waugh was better. No. He has nothing on him. Bednar has made the playoffs more. He has a better start than anyone. He has the best Avalanche team in a decade. Easy. Waugh won a division title. That doesn't matter. And I'm just saying... That's like the only thing in his coaching career that he still has over. Hold on. He broke that wall down. That's got to count for something. Like literally, he remember when he he pushed over the stanchion on opening night against the Ducks? Yeah. I mean, if Jared Bednar did that, if Jared Bednar Bednar breaks a wall down, it would have to take like the cataclysmically worst call in the history of (laughs) hockey. I mean, yeah. I mean, if for that dude to really even show much in terms of emotion. Like something extreme has to have taken place, and and I feel like that's actually part of why the Abs have been awesome under him. Like it's a yes, huge reason they're why. much more even keel. Exactly. Two, two years ago, it was EJ right who got hurt towards the end of the season. This oh. is important ta- conversation, okay, go. right? EJ got hurt like right at the end of the season, but they still played well and they yeah. got into the playoffs. And then last year was it Miko who got hurt at the end of the season? Yep. Yeah. And they like this team can withstand those like. Things that should be huge lows because their coach doesn't get into those huge. Then Landy got hurt at the end of last year too. Oh right, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, both of them were. If Miko isn't out for the season, Bednar could legitimately win a division title this year. Yeah, and uh, I think he'll honestly, and to tie ours together to be a unified force here, uh, the elite goaltending, the Jack Adams Award, is really a goaltending award. Elite goaltending gets coaches, coach of the year awards. So I think both Grubauer and Bednar are going to be in line for the Jack Adams and the Vesna if they continue down the road that they've started. Yeah. And Grubauer, another uh, empty third period last night. Yeah. yeah. His third period stats are actually broken. Yeah. He's given up, like, what, one goal? A nine. Ovechkin. Yeah, the, yeah, the Ovechkin goal. goal that made it 5-3. And it's his save percentage is, like, 980-something in yeah. third periods. It's unreal. Okay, well, I have a question or a few questions or two comments that I have to read, so we're gonna move on from that. Um, I was talking in the mic, anyways. uh, Someone said, World of the subscriber whose name is World of Suck (laughs) said, Love the Denver Sports Podcast. Question for next week's pod Who will be the next team to bring a championship home to Denver? We did talk about this in detail in a segment. Uh, One of like our very first second, shows. Second um, show we ever did, but it was right now. Real quick, which finals ends first? The NBA finals or the NHL? So the Stanley Cup final? The NBA, I think. Cause NHL usually to- ends first. Okay, well, oh, then it's the Avs because the Avs and Nuggets are both winning this year. Okay, well, there you go. Yahtzee. <laughs> um, all right. But if you want to listen to that podcast, I think it was the first or second pod we ever did. We went into a di- deep dive on that. Um, then Nick Geyer813 said, yo, everyone, awesome material in all phases of DNVR. Big ups to everyone. But I got to say it was awesome hearing you guys talk about hockey and hockey culture in depth. As someone who grew up playing hockey and still do, I thought it was hilarious hearing you guys talk and learn about hockey. I laughed out loud on the bus I was just on multiple times. But 
But I was wondering if you all could answer this question. Do you allow yourselves to think what it would be like to cover a championship or tell your experiences if you have? Do you imagine what it would be like around the office? Do any of you allow yourself to imagine what it would be like? I, for one, would be quite sad if I don't get to see Philip Lindsay, Landis Gog, Jokic, and Arenado ever win a championship. I've been so I've become so attached to these players and their personalities that I think it would hit me hard to not see these championship level players never get their ring. Thanks all keep it up ryan you're the only one who's actually covered a championship super bowl super bowl 50 was it Mm -hmm. uh it was incredible i mean like i feel like i sold my journalistic soul for that because it's only sucked after that um but it's just so cool to see like all these guys reach the peak um they like they spend their entire lives working for this and they when they achieve it the outburst of excitement and happiness and and all these things i mean you have demarcus ware on that team who you know had never won one despite a hall of fame level career it's just really really cool um and it's so much fun like yeah. all the stories are so fun and you've got like chris harris romanticizing jr. everything right. and you've got chris harris jr on the podium like talking trash about cam newton not realizing that cam newton is literally just on the other side of an extremely thin wall and cam newton storms off and like there's a story there and like it's just so awesome. awesome the fans are on cloud nine um it's it's like it's a peak for them but it, it's also the peak for us it's so much fun and you know you do um like I, I always talk about this why you know journalists who say they don't care if the team wins or loses are lying because when they lose like the broncos are right now it's not fun to be in the locker room the players aren't giving good quotes they're not having fun with anything and when they win they're having like at that level especially they're having fun with everything and and if if you at your job we're surrounded by people who are pissed off or you're surrounded by people who are having a great time. It's going to affect how fun your job is as well. So uh, there's nothing quite like covering a championship. I assume that you two were watching the Avs during that 2001 Stanley Cup. What was that like for you guys? Well, I was 10. Yeah, but so still. You're... I was already in love with the team, so it's an incredible moment. I, I still consider Ray Bork lifting the cup the greatest moment in the history of the Stanley Cup. So anybody it, who disagrees is wrong. <laughs> it's just a fact at this point. So, and that's not like fandom speaking. That's just there's no there's no greater romantic hockey story than uh, that moment. Excuse me, goosebumps just thinking I, about it. I was lucky enough to cover the Colorado Eagles a couple of years ago when they won the ECHL for the second time, and obviously way way lower magnitude than a top level sports league but it was still really cool to just be around the atmosphere of the team and and the feeling that that happens inside of those locker rooms and things like that but to be honest I started really making a lot of content in the 48 point season for the abs so the results of the game on a personal level Sure, I I want the abs to win, but from a creating content level, I create content because I love doing it. Yeah, and if the abs are bad, I still have fun with my content. So, I think, and that's the key, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're not having fun, you know that's what we try to do on our podcast. Like even after the Ch- the Chiefs game, we're still trying to have fun with it because if you aren't able to, then it's gonna suck. <laughs> a world of suck, perhaps. Yes. Uh, all right. I I think for me it's the moments that you remember. 
you know, I'm sure that there are things that you remember about the the, the Super Bowl run. Uh, for me, you know, last year was a good time. You know, them getting the second round, like it was it was cool to be around the team and that excitement and and kind of the attitude. But the year before, coming off that 48 point year, and nobody had any expectations, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Right? I remember being in that locker room after game 82. You know, they beat the Blues pretty handily and I remember just sitting down next to Gabe Landeskog who's seen everything in in his time in Colorado and you know normally Landy is very you know very professional and very you know very buttoned up in, in how he is and I just sat down next to him and he just put his arm around me and he was like this is a lot more fun <laughs> and and I remember I just I shook his hand and, you know, and, and, you know, like that guy has lived through all of the ups and downs. You know, he was on that WA team that won the division where they thought they were at the start of something. And it just blew up in their face so badly. And then it, it collapsed in that 48 point season. And I just remember sitting next to Landy and I remember talking to Mark Barbario, who was like openly emotional and you know eric johnson and all these different guys who just you remember like this is like what they're doing with their lives this is what they're trying to accomplish and even just making the postseason that year it meant so much to them because they they viewed it as a real accomplishment it was not like because you know oh making the playoffs in hockey well half the league makes it you know (laughs) It was not that attitude that that it meant something and it was one of those moments and it's you know for my career having sat through that 48 point season uh that's the like those are the moments that I remember the most is when these guys work so hard and 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 you get that reminder that on that human level like they've dedicated their whole lives to this and you know we we view athletes as on on some sort of pedestal and 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 they make the the they make so much money you know that there's a separation between us in in piles of money between us <laughs> that we view as like taking away some of their humanity in how we view them and and I just those moments are the ones that I remember the most and I don't think about them winning a a cup or anything I, I think there's a good chance that they do it. But, like, think about the guys in San Jose who have been covering that team for a day. De- I mean, they've made the playoffs 14 in the last 15 years. And those guys have seen everything there is to see except a couple in. But you have no doubt that they have had an awesome journalistic career, that they've gotten to cover great teams, great so many Hall of Famers. And they were going to have, you know, like, like, like Dater has amazing stories. And the majority of them don't come from the Stanley Cup winning teams. You know, those guys have seen everything there is to see. And for me, that's just, you know, I would love to cover a cup winning team. I don't think about it, but it's, you know, you just hope that when you go to work on any given day that you're you're going to have somebody that gives you a reason to remember that day. I think about it every day with the Nuggets. I really do. Mostly for the fans. And I've. There's not a lot of, it's not a huge fan base in terms of numbers, but it is a passionate and rabid fan base that has been committed through ups and downs. And I, I wrote about this when I, when I first started with Denver Stiffs. Denver sports fandom, Nuggets fandom specifically, 
for whatever reason, it, it's not afforded awarded that charm that like Cubs or Browns fandom had. They lose so much that those fans are almost lauded for their support. No one seems to care that the Nuggets have never even made the finals, right? There's no charm there. No, no one's rooting for that underdog. So it's the fans that do care that have been through it thick and thin. Like, I don't know how big that parade would be, but I would walk the whole damn thing just to see the faces of the people that I know care. And, like, it's on the t- it's not likely, but it's legitimately on the table right now. And it's why I'm in Denver. I looked at this Denver team and thought, there's, an, there's a non-zero chance that happens. So I think about it every single day. I think the office would be, uh, I mean, during that playoff run for the Nuggets and Avs <laughs> last year, the office was... Our office was the Blake Street Tavern. Our office yeah. was the Blake Street Tavern or the Pepsi Center. And everyone was sleep deprived, but everyone was just so excited, so happy, just waiting for the next game and just talking about what happened, what they need to improve on, all that type of stuff. It was just such a buzz. And my thing with championship teams is I feel like there's something special about like to win there's like, like this, magic involved. Yeah, to win a Super Bowl, to win a Stanley Cup, there's magic. There's things that go, there's adversity and all that and your team defeats that. And there it's just something about it that adds that extra um being a fan, being like special, being a fan or being a journalist. So many things have to go right, including plenty of things that are completely outside anyone's control. Exactly. So there's that there is that magic. So as a fan, I experienced my first like championship Super Bowl two years ago and it was like I just it's I, I'm smiling because I can't not when you think of that and I can imagine that that's how you guys feel about your championships that you've had a chance to see so I think it's so cool and the storylines journalistically that come from that magic are incredible and the fans are eating it up because all you want to do is hear more about the, your your team yeah that that last point you made about you know the opportunities journalistically the thing that makes me most excited about thinking about any of these teams winning a championship is that I think as a company, we are now in the position to tell that story better than anyone else. And that like the thought of that happening and us having like the lasting stories and the lasting coverage and the lasting podcast or whatever it is like that people are like, Oh, like remember that story that AJ wrote, uh, you know, the night before game seven or whatever it is like, oh. that's what gets me excited. No, me too. Me too. Especially look, the thing about you made an interesting point, AJ, about where the stories come from. But if you've ever seen a first ever title on TV, like the you know the Cavs is the example. How could you not want in on that, even if you're just adjacent to it, right? Like get that energy in my life. I think about it every day. All right. All right. Well, that, that was, was a great awesome. question. Um, definitely go on to our uh, podcast posts on the DMVR.com and leave us some questions to answer for next week. Go leave a review on anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you guys next week.